The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome to the All Rookie Podcast. Today is September 2nd and I'm your host, William Harris, aka William is Bill. And today I'm joined by the multi-talented Bryce Hendrick. He is a writer for Roll Call Sports and is from the Upside Swings Podcast. How are you doing today, Bryce? I'm great, man. I'm excited to be on. Uh, I've been doing a lot of 2022 work, so I'm already getting ready for next year so uh i'm great and excited to be on right right glad to have you on like we talked about earlier you know you've been checking my stuff out on twitter i've been checking yours out so it's about time that we had to meet up and do a great show together so i'm glad to have you on tell everyone about your podcast and where to find you and all that on your social media yeah, for sure. So I do the Upside Swings Draft podcast uh, with with a couple of my buddies, and uh, we we did a lot of work for this this last uh, cycle. We we had um, a representative on from every team, someone who follows the team uh, before the draft to talk about their specific off season and what they might be looking for in the draft. So we kind of went crazy there, and it's it's slowed down since the draft. But you know, twenty twenty two is right around the corner. I write for Roll Call Sports. I write for the Detroit Bad Boys. So uh, I'm I'm very in tune with Piston stuff now, um, so yeah, that's uh, I I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. Um, I do you know it's mostly draft tweeting, uh, but my writing is is NBA and draft focused. Right, right, and 2022 is not right around the corner. By the way, <laughs> you know everyone's ready for this next season, but I'm just not ready for it. Yeah, I can't wait for these rookies now uh, to come in this year. But yeah, 2022 is around the corner and. I know you have five guys that you said could be possible for number one picks in the draft. So I'm going to get to that, but at the end of the show. Uh, so let's get straight to it like it's nothing to it. Uh, now that the summer league is over, how do you feel about how the draft played out? Uh, did any teams or players completely swing and miss? Or did it pretty much go the way it should have? How do you feel about that? So there's definitely some big hits for me. Um, I've, I've said this, uh, a, f- a few times, like I think the Hornets really killed the draft. Um, I wasn't even the biggest book night guy, but to get, uh, JT Thor and Kai Jones, I thought were, were really great picks and they're sort of building around LaMelo in a way I really like you're surrounding your elite passer and, and on ball playmaker with good athletes who, project as solid defenders who can run in transition so uh, i just like sort of the theory they're going with there um and then i was a real you know i I was a real big fan of of some of the teams that sort of made the right pick you know kate at the top um the Cavs. they only had one pick and, and they took evan mobley that was the right selection um i think the one team for me that uh still sort of kind of rings out as, as a bit of a loser is the Kings. I still just don't know. Like, I don't hate Davion Mitchell, but it's just, <laughs> it's just at nine when you have De'Aaron Fox and, and Tyrese Halbert, and I didn't really get that. So they would probably be my my big, like, 
not a great draft. And and I maybe point to the Pacers too, just because even though I think Chris Duarte is going to be an NBA player, I, I, I don't think they were a team that should be taking a 24 year old in the lottery ahead of guys like Moses Moody and, and um, Kai Jones even. So I, I just like, those are the two teams, you know, and it happens to be, they took the two oldest players in the lottery. <laughs> I'm someone who I do generally believe in draft age. I think that's really important to get a younger guy in your system, especially if you're not like right on, on the, the edge of contention. So uh, those would probably be my two big losers. And the one that I'm still just sort of, always up in the air, can't make my mind up on it, is the Rockets. Wow. See, Bryce coming in hot. That's what, that's why I brought him on the show. It is hot takes. See, um, I, I really didn't like the OKC Thunders draft. How do you feel about their draft? I think they kind of swung and missed big time on that. You disagree? So I do really like their draft, but I'm also willing to admit that it's entirely like like it could very well end up being a draft where they took no one who's really a positive NBA player. But right. I think, I think for where they're at, I, I really like what they did. I think Josh Giddy is a solid bet on upside. Um, He just, he's so he's such a cerebral player. And at six, nine, I, I think there's something to work with there. Um, I really like Trey man. I had Trey man top 10. Um, I just, I really buy the, the space creation and the shooting with him. Um, and, and I think he's a solid fit next to Shea long-term or even backing him up, what, however that may work out. Um, and then, uh, I, Jeremiah Robinson Earl at 30, was it 32 or 33? I, I can't really remember. I thought was, I thought that was like fine value. I don't, I don't love their draft. It wasn't, you know, they, it wasn't the greatest value everywhere, but I, I really like the Trey man pick. I thought the giddy pick is a solid, um, upside swing and and I thought Robinson Earl was fine so I wouldn't call them losers but I I I definitely think there's a bit of of toss up there right well you know you talked about the Kings how they have the three guard rotation don't you think OKC will kind of be in that same situation yeah I think they will uh, the only difference is like like Shea is a solid six five and Giddy's like six nine um so I, I I just think like that's a three guard rotation that makes a bit more sense um, yeah. than you know De'Aaron Fox is six two and really skinny Tyrese Halliburton is six four and really skinny and Davion Mitchell is six foot nothing so I think <laughs> like when you start to think about it that way it's like it sure. sounds like a really worrying like I, I I don't see a world where those three players on the Kings can play together I I can see like the outline of these guys can all play together, even if, or for the thunder, I should say, even if I don't necessarily think that's probably how it's going to go long-term, I just, it, it almost never is right. Like you never, you never swing, uh, you never bat a thousand, uh, in the draft. Right. So, you know, one of those guys isn't probably going to be a starter for them long-term. Um, but I, I, I can see an outline of that working more than with the Kings. And I also just think, you know, Giddy is 18 versus um, Davion Mitchell being 23. I think that really plays a big part into it for me. Um, though I will say, I think looking back in, in hindsight, at, at the time of the draft, I was a little bit like it just, I didn't think about it super critically. But looking back, 
I don't know if Giddy was the best pick at six. It's not a pick I hate, but it's not one I love either. I think there were some other guys on the board who um, who, who could have been bigger difference makers there for them. Oh, definitely, definitely. But um, with that being said, um, I guess we should go ahead and get right into the talk of these rookies. Um, first, we're going to have to start with Kay Cunningham. You did a piece recently on him. You talked about how you've been working on the Detroit Pistons. How do you feel he will fit with this team and just how good can he be in your opinion? So Kate is, is a really interesting number one overall pick to me. And I, I'm just so excited. Uh, I'm going to watch probably every Pistons game this year um, for work. And, and I just, I'm really excited for that because he's, he's someone who's going to have a really interesting developmental track to follow. Um, he's maybe the best six, eight pull-up shooting prospect we've seen um maybe ever i mean i i can't my my prospect field doesn't go back to like the days of carmelo or anything but at at the very least in the past little bit even as a prospect he's probably a better shooter than tatum was as a prospect so it's like like he really has that i think it's summer league he really showed how comfortable he is that energy transfer is is picture perfect um but he's really I think it's going to take him a little bit to to realize just how crafty he has to be. Um, he lost weight, I think, in between um, his his last game at Oklahoma State and Summer League. And I think he needs to put that back on because he's not going to win with burst to get downhill. I think he's going to have to learn to be uh, just stronger than whoever's guarding him. Um, and whether that be into post-ups or running a pick and roll, kind of getting your shoulder into a big or, or, or a wing and getting downhill. He's going to have to learn how to play at the margins, um, which he's never really had to do. It's He's always been surrounded by either really elite talent or like at Oklahoma State, he was athletic enough that he could just take over like that. But it, it's just a little different in the NBA. I think he's going to adjust fine. He's so intelligent and he, he is legitimately – one of the better high school passing prospects I've seen. I mean, if you go back and watch his his FIBA stuff, it it was excellent at, at Montverde. I think his best tape was with the Texas Titans because he really proved uh, there he can he can really thrive in transition and um, just is really an excellent lob thrower, which we haven't got to see much of because of the uh, the weird spacing at Oklahoma State. But he's just such a good he's just such a good passer. I think. There's going to be some moments where like, we'll look at stat lines or even if you watch him play, you're going to be like, okay, to struggling. But I think by the end of the season, he's really going to round into shape as a real future star in this league. Yeah, I agree with that too. Um, so do you feel Detroit clearly made the right call drafting him number one because there's a lot of push for Jalen Green after that summer league, how he looked so explosive. But it's mainly scoring wise, and you know, Kate is kind of going to be a more all of around, all around player. You still think Detroit took the right player, right? Yeah, I, and I would say that pretty comfortably. Um, I, I would, I would even go so far as to say I think the Rockets took the wrong player at two. Still, um, summer league doesn't necessarily change my priors um, very much. Uh, summer league is also the type of showcase that is built for a player like. Jalen Green and not a player like Cade Cunningham because Cade Cunningham relies entirely on 
uh, either the jump shot or, or or using that jump shot as a threat to create rotations. Well, Summer League doesn't have real rotations, honestly. There's a lot of face guarding yeah. non-shooters in Summer League and, and things like that. Um, it's very rare that you see like actual solid team scheme defense. So, you know, he couldn't really take advantage of that. And yet he still put up really good numbers on some pretty incredible efficiency when you consider the the difficult shots he was taking. Um, there's still definitely some worry there that he almost never got to the line. Um, and I think there's going to be moments where we're going to look at Jalen Green and be like, it's hard for me to, uh, you know, to not just see him succeeding pretty immediately because his burst and, and, and open court speed and athleticism is already like, you know, probably top, uh, 20 in the NBA top 15 or something like that. Like he is already, an elite elite athlete. Um, and sometimes those guys just get it quicker when you have the slightest modicum of ball skills. Um, he's going to get downhill. He's going to have some really, really fun dunks. Um, but I think, I think what really impressed me most at summer league was cage defense. Um, I think there's, and this might sound crazy, but if he doesn't develop into this, like complete on ball heliocentric score, I think there's a chance he's like, like, an all defense level player because he is, he moves really well and, and he just sees the floor like no one else. Um, some of the rotations he would make or, uh, how he would jump passing lanes. It was really, really impressive. And, um, I, I had a, I, I was really, really impressed by his defense in summer league, considering it's not a setting that's very conducive to, um, you know, good defense. That's a really good point. Um, and with that being said, you know, we mentioned Jalen Green a little bit and Cade kind of starting off maybe a little slower. By the end of the year, who do you think will be the rookie of the year, Cade or Jalen or somebody else? I th- I think this is so tough. I just <laughs> I just uh, did a pod on this. It hasn't dropped yet. And even then I was like I was completely up in the air. I think I'm going to say that that my guess is that Jalen Green probably wins, um, but it's really close. And, uh, you know, I think I think it can probably go either way when it comes that time to actually, you know, put put pen to paper and write down who you think will win. But I just think Jalen Green is going to acclimate quicker. And those first, you know, that first month and a half where maybe Cade is still having a lot of turnovers and he's not getting to the line at all. But Jalen Green is living at the line, is constantly in the lane, is averaging, even if it's kind of inefficient, like is averaging 21 points per game or whatever, that's going to be enough to push him into rookie of the year. I think the one thing that can change that is if the Pistons are a legit playoff team, which I think is is somewhat possible if unlikely, uh, but they have some real talent. Uh, and if Jeremy Grant is sort of a sub all-star and Cade Cunningham is sort of the rookie of the year caliber player, um, and Sadiq Bey takes a step, guys like that, like if they're a playoff team and he's really contributing to winning, I think that could maybe push him ahead. Um, but my early bet would probably be on Jalen Green. Yeah. And what would help Cade also, if he gets those assists, uh, he only averaged two assists per game in the summer league. So he's not going to be able to catch Jalen on the point side. So he, he gets those assists up. I think that will help him a lot. So that's one part of his game he's going to have to work on a little bit more. And it depends on how who's going to be the dominant ball handler in Detroit. So we're going to have to see if it's him or Killian. I feel 
Cage should be the secondary ball handler. How do you feel? Do you think he should just go in and start at point? So I actually think the Pistons should start Saban Lee at point guard over Killian hey, that's Hayes. A, that's a, he has looked the best. You know, he has looked a lot better than Killian, really. I, I really like Saban Lee, and I actually kind of buy the shot. Um, he shoots a lot off the dribble. Uh, he's he doesn't look comfortable in catch shoots at all. But uh, I don't think Cade is going to be ready to handle like a 25 plus usage rating early on. He's just I, I just don't know if he if he's there yet as a ball handler, as a downhill driver. I think he is there as a passer. He is there as a as a pull up shooter. But I think if you could get him going where he's already attacking an advantage, you know, Saban Lee is great at getting downhill. Maybe you start Kelly Olynyk, you run a Kelly Olynyk. Uh, pick and pop Saban Lee gets downhill he gets it to Cade like maybe the action isn't even for him to score it's just draw one defender and get the ball to Cade and then Cade is suddenly has an advantage floor for him to attack off of I I really like the idea for him he's um he's someone who I think should be experimented with playing off ball maybe even as a movement shooter playing with him on ball just just see what he can do you know the Pistons like I said they might be good but they should be using this year to experiment and really seeing the what's the most you can get out of these players. Um, I think he is not going to be your nominal point guard, but I think Cade can handle a solid amount of usage, be your best passer. But I don't want him to be like, like say you put him out there with just four shooters and say, okay, Cade, go get a bucket. Like, I don't think that's his game yet. Oh, yeah. And you have to let him build up to that. Uh, so, so, so I would try and, like I said, Saban Lee is my ideal start Saban Lee next to him, have Killian come off the bench. Cause I also think that's going to be best for Killian's development. And then sort of go from there, figure out what you have. And if Cade proves he can handle more, give him more. If he's really struggling, you know, you can, you can press the brake a little bit. You have other guys who can handle the ball. Even Jeremy Grant was okay as the primary ball handler last year. So you sort of have some freedom as the Pistons to kind of mess around and figure it out and figure out what you really want to do with Cade. And I think he's he's going to be really good, but that's not a, an excuse to rush him into into stuff he's not ready for. I totally agree. Um, I, I do love Saban Lee as well. I do not see them being that bold enough to do that. <laughs> if they bench Killian, it's going to be for Cade more than likely, but. I think uh, Killian will probably start off the season. But staying on the Pistons track, you know, what is your opinion on Luca Garza? He played incredible during summer, uh, during the summer league. I think a lot better than most people thought he would. You know, he averaged almost a double double, fifteen points, ten boards, and a block per game. How do you feel about Luca? I think he should have just got a regular contract. He ended up getting a two way contract. How do you feel about Luca? I'm fine with him on a two-way. I still think he's exactly the player I expected him to be at Summer League. He was just slightly better at it than I thought he would be. Um, he's still just like like his primary role is going to be as a drop-killing, pick-and-pop big. Um, if he can really develop into some, like, some potential movement shooting, that would be awesome for his game. It would be great to see him do that. Um, but for the most part, his usage is going to be pick-and-pops, um, he still wasn't a great passer. He's, he's still really heavy footed on defense. I don't necessarily see that in, improving or changing. So he still sort of is what he is. Um, but 
I think there's promise there. I think he was a, a solid guy to get on a two way. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't have any like major takeaways other than he is a really good shooter and he's big. So if he could just set good screens, you know, roll to some extent or, or just pop and, and just, you know, especially with a downhill guard, if he's playing out the bench with Saban Lee or, you know, you get him a real attacker, like a, like a cat barber or something to play with him in the G league who could just get downhill, let him pop and, and let him really score in that way. And then occasionally maybe beat a switch in the post. Like that's sort of his path to play. I, I don't, I'm not hundred percent on where I see him long-term. Um, I, I still think he's probably most likely to be sort of a, a, a Euro league player, that type of wow. uh, down there. I just, <laughs> I, I think there's an NBA role for him, but I don't I, like he'll, he could probably make more money overseas. I just like he's good at what he does, but what he does has very <laughs> specific value to sp- very specific teams. And if if you know he's he he's also someone who's never going to be able to play in the playoffs because his defense is so damaging. Um, so that that's sort of where I'm at with Luca Garza. Woo. Luca Garza, I hope you're not listening to this pod today, Luca Garza. <laughs> Flaming hot take. Um, I think a little higher. I will say, I want to say. <laughs> okay. Go no, ahead. That's fine. I just, I want to say too, um, like, even if I, even if I like am low on a prospect, like all I want is for them to prove me wrong. Uh, right. You know, I hope Luca Garza averages 20 in the league. Like for, for all I care, that would be, that would be awesome. I uh, would love to see that. He's, a cool dude. I love his dad is like huge on, on it, uh, Twitter and like constantly tagging Detroit people. So that's really cool. I love to see, you know, a supportive father like that. So I hope the best for Luca. Uh, and I've always hoped the best. He was super fun to watch at Iowa. It's just, I don't necessarily see, I'm not as high on him, but I also understand why some people would be. Yeah. Well, I mean, from everything I've heard, just about everyone feels how you feel about him. I just, have a little more belief in him because he mainly probably because everyone's so down on him, you know, and he performed well in the summer league. And I feel with this Pistons team, they're not going to win next year. They probably feel they are, but they're not going to win next year. So it's interesting that they brought in Kelly Olenek when you could have put Luca Garza in there, let him fail, let him learn and develop, but he'll just have to do that in the G league. So, but that was, uh, I wanted to bring him up because he was a very interesting, uh, polarizing prospect. So that was a great conversation on that. You know, another speaking of another guy that's like that. Uh, let's go into Josh Giddy. You feel he was the correct pick for the most part for OKC. We didn't really get to see him in summer league. Do you think he will flourish on OKC? Early on, probably not. Um, Giddy was someone who I always assumed was probably going to be bad his rookie year. Not to the extent of someone like a Poku, but similar to Poku in that he's just, he's so skinny. He has a really weird body. And his best skill is one that he can't really access. Yeah, I mean, Giddy's best skills as a passer and a court mapper, but his jumper isn't quite there yet. He doesn't quite have the handle yet. Like he cannot access that skill yet. It's going to take him a couple of years of physical development of shot development, 
which is perfectly fine if you're a team like the Thunder that have 21 picks in the next six years and want to be as bad as possible. Just that's that's a great pick for them. Let him take some usage, really learn, take his lumps. Um, I expect there's going to be some people at the end of the season who are already calling him a bust, just like we've seen with Killian Hayes, uh, where there's people already calling him a bust. And, you know, it, when he develops past that point, they're going to, you know, he, he might silence him. He might not. He has some clear bust potential and just how skinny he is. If the shot never develops, if he can't generate any rim pressure, he's just sort of this six, nine connector. Who's not that good defensively. Can't really shoot. That's, that's kind of a tough, sell but i i think there's some real upside here with giddy i think he was you know we generally think of upside players as like these elite athletes um and that's not giddy obviously but he has real upside as someone who who sees the floor the way he does at his size that's just really rare um and i and i like that the thunder just bet on that rare talent and see i feel the complete opposite (laughs) you know i believe he's a complete project in my opinion and, you know, that upside could be there, but that risk is still there just as much. This is the type of player that usually is taken in the second round, and they took him with the sixth overall pick. I mean, if it works out, they're going to look like geniuses, but I do think he has a high bust probability. But we shall see. But okay, see, you know, they came into this draft hoping they were going to get the first pick, second pick, third pick. They could have got two of the top six picks, and I think it just did not go the way they wanted it. It seemed like they scrambled to me, but they're going to be an interesting team to watch. Um, Another player, we kind of touched on it a little bit with the Kings. You hated the fit of Davion Mitchell. Do you feel if they make a trade of some sort, whether it's either of the three guards, that this will be a good fit for Sacramento? Just basically Davion as a prospect. Ignore the crowded backfield, (laughs) backcourt. So Davion was Davion is the type of player who I like in sort of the late first. He's sort of a bet as this um, play next to a jumbo initiator, bring intensity. Maybe, you know, maybe his best role is his backup guard. It's just for me, it's a tough sell at nine. Um, even if it wasn't the case, even if it was, say, the Pacers who could really use a guard like Mitchell, it's still old uh i think he's like one of the five oldest players to be taken in the lottery um that's generally like a rough sign for me already because of when you're getting him on a second contract the time you have to develop him he's also just really small and he's not a great passer not a great shooter he's just kind of good at a lot of things and and there's value to that but to me that's not top 10 value Especially in a draft where I I had you know 15 guys as as guys I would take in the lottery that I was comfortable with who I thought could really um, contribute at at more premium positions like the wing um, to take a small guard who I think you're really betting on him to develop as a pick and roll player and I think that's sort of you know betting on the outlier development of a 23 year old to make your you know top 10 pick work out just. It's a it's a tough proposition for me. Um, I, I there's stuff to like about Davion, but even at summer league where he put up some really good stats, there were moments where his weaknesses really showed. Um, you know, missing some obvious passes simply just because he's too small to access them, or 
getting into the paint and not being able to finish because he's just he he doesn't have the craft, especially like on floaters. Um, you know, really comfortable off the dribble, still a bad free throw shooter. He's just he, he's he's a really interesting player, but not the type I would have taken top ten. I would have taken him in the first round. I wasn't as low as some, but I I thought that top ten that top ten pick was really lofty for him, especially when his his backcourt mate that I thought was a similar, if not better, prospect fell all the way to forty. Jeez, Bryce, golly, you're killing my guys out here. You know, I love Davion Mitchell as a prospect. You know, as soon as the college season ended, he was projected, you know, fifth, you know, by Jay Billis. Uh, you know, in the summer league, you would not think he was the co-MVP from here in Bryce. He does not believe in Davion Mitchell. But, you know, you ha- you don't think in any way he can – I mean, because in college, he reminds people of Donovan Mitchell slightly – and then on the defensive end, people have compared him to Marcus Smart. That type of combination of a player should have success in the league. You just don't feel it? I think comparing him to Marcus Smart is... is I don't ever like comparing players to someone who is one... I mean, Marcus Smart is one of the best guard defenders maybe ever. One of the more switchable guard defenders ever. Um, and Davion Mitchell's four inches taller than him and probably... 25 pounds lighter um i haven't looked at that exactly but um you know he's just it's just a little different um and also i think uh donovan mitchell is just quite a bit more crafty on the ball and i also think donovan mitchell has had quite a bit of outlier development uh that it's it's hard for me to expect something for like that from davion um i i'm not one to I'm not one for comparisons in general, but definitely not comparing someone to a player that's had outlier development that's let them get where they have got to. I mean, if if Davion Mitchell became anything close to Donovan Mitchell, that would also be, uh, you know, that's probably a a 95 percentile outcome for Davion. And and while that's maybe within the realm of possibilities, um, it's not something I see as likely, especially because Donovan Mitchell was drafted into to maybe the best possible developmental context for him where he had really good wing infrastructure, uh, a, a, a good role big. He had Ricky Rubio on the team. who was a really passer to kind of really good passer to sort of make up for his deficiencies there. Like he had, he had this perfect developmental context for him to take a lot of usage that was left in the wake of Gordon Hayward. And that is sort of what's a part of what's allowed him to, become the player he is and it's hard for me to say i can absolutely see davion doing that um i think a more likely like i said i'm not one for comps but a a player that i think davion should should more likely try to follow in the footsteps of is is like anish smith with with like pat bev type defense probably not quite to the level of pat bev because beverly is just longer um, and a little stronger, a little taller, but you know, that type of defensive intensity, but instead of just being this pure three and D point guard, like Beverly, uh, with a bit more of the attacking game, the transition game, like Inish Smith, and that's sort of more his path than someone like, you know, like Donovan Mitchell was mixed with Marcus smart. You know, that's, that's a superstar. If you have Donovan Mitchell and you gave him Marcus smarts defense, that's right. a top 15 right. player in the league. I don't really see that with Davion. 
much at all. I think um, his his more likely path is is sort of a a sixth man fringe starter type, which is fine value, but that's not the upside I would take at nine. Um, I I would much rather have taken even you know Zaire Williams went ten. He's another guy that I mean if 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 the Kings had Zaire Williams and Zaire Williams hits, he fills a much bigger hole for the Kings young core than if Davion Mitchell hits. He's maybe as good as De'Aaron Fox is right now. So you're it's just sort of a toss-up in, in what did you really value there at nine. I thought Davion was just a, a bit of a reach for me. Now, I do actually completely agree with that. I had Zaire Mock to Sacramento. I thought he would have been a better fit. So that's all good points right there. Um, hopefully he can still flourish with the fit that he's in right now. But I do think Sacramento is primed to make a trade. You know, I did a DFS podcast uh, <laughs> last year and earlier this year. And just about on every episode, I bet uh, with my co-host um, who would be right on such and such. It's kind of like I want to bet <laughs> to make a bet with you on Davion Mitchell, how he will be a really good player because you do not feel it. huh? I think he can be really good. I just. I, I gonna think it's going to take a lot. I'm down. I'm a betting man. I'm a betting man. Uh, I, you know, I think if Davion was in a good context, there would be a lot more. There would be a lot more optimism for me, but it's the mix of they took him too high on for my board. And it's a team that he doesn't really make sense on. Um, so, so it's sort of that combination just makes it really hard for me. Um, that, that I'm just, I'm just struggling to see where the development can come from if he stays on the Kings, you know, maybe he, maybe him or, or maybe De'Aaron Fox is, is traded for Ben Simmons. And this, this part of the conversation is sort of mute, but I, Possibly. I just, I just, I, I, I was not a fan of the pick at the time and it's sort of only soured in my mind in hindsight. He did dominate summer league. Uh, he looked pretty solid there. He looked sort of how I expected. I mean, he was a 23-year-old at summer league. Uh, you kind of hope those guys dominate if they're going to have the ball in their hands a lot. Um, I just, I'll be really interested to see. I'm hoping he gets quite a bit of usage with the second unit this year. And I'm just hoping to see some real development with him as a pick-and-roll player because I think one of the big things he's missing for me that, that makes me lower on his... Uh, what he is right now and, and maybe what he can be if it doesn't develop is that I just don't think he has a lot of pick and roll craft right now. Um, he sort of is, has this run one track mind of he's either going to get downhill or he's going to try and hit a, a step back or, or sort of a relocation pull up, like whatever it may be. He's not really trying to manipulate a defense. Um, so if he can really develop in that way, then I think there's really something there. If he can't, then I I think it's a bit more of a risky proposition. Okay, I think I have the bet. Um, who's going to have a better career, Josh Giddy or Davion Mitchell? You want to take that bet? I got Davion. I'll I'll take Giddy there. That's I'll take okay. that bet. All right, we'll 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 keep that in mind. We'll come back to that. <laughs> so another guy that you did a piece on, Josh Primo, he's one of the most interesting prospects in this draft was taken a lot earlier than most people projected. How do you feel about Josh Primo and his fit on the Spurs? I 
Primo is so weird and so hard to get a handle on because he is so young. I mean, he is yeah. he is Poku levels of, of young for their draft year. Um, he has some really interesting flashes. I really buy him as a shooter. He's 6'5". He moves pretty well. Um, but he's just really raw in a lot of ways. He's raw as a decision maker. He is sort of very loose with his handle. Um, he looks kind of uncomfortable with the ball in his hands. He he doesn't quite know what he's doing defensively. Uh, he's going to take, he might even take two full years in the G League to really develop, um, especially if they want to buy like him as, as an on-ball player. Um, I did a stream with PD Webb. I think it's on YouTube now. Um, and, and he even posted a separate video that's just the part about Primo, uh, where we think there's maybe some some lower body deficiency uh, in his in his left leg through the posterior chain. It's I have a very similar thing where my muscles developed weird, and it makes it to where my my whole left leg is just kind of janky, and, and his is sort of similar. Uh, I think it really limits his handle. Um, you know, hopefully that's something that can be fixed. He makes good decisions as a ball handler. He just doesn't have the you know the bag to access those moves he wants to get to and he hasn't quite figured out how to like he's making his decisions to either score or to pass uh like pre-recorded he's not sort of making organic decisions it's i'm gonna drive and pass or i'm gonna drive and score there's not sort of a flow of information going through him and, and he's so young he has time but He's he's just he's going to be a really interesting developmental case because I think there's definitely wrong things you can do with him. Um, I I still think his most likely outcome is sort of a, a three and D kind of guard. Uh, he's skinny, so it, it's hard for me to see him like guarding big wings. But maybe like he has solid defensive instincts. Maybe he can sort of play the Danny Green role uh, with a little bit more on ball juice, but. Um, he looked really rough running pick and rolls in summer league, and he never really did that at Alabama at all. He's just he's just really young, and he's sort of the platonic ideal of a blank canvas for development. That a team could sort of try and do whatever they want with him and just see how it goes. Yeah, I actually agree with that. Um, he was, I believe, he is the youngest prospect in the draft. Uh, with Demar Derozan shipped out of. Um, San Antonio, do you think Primo will play a lot this year, or do you think, like you said, he's going to take a lot of development uh, this year, ride the bench? <laughs> I I doubt he plays uh, really at all. I think wow. I think maybe he gets some garbage time at the end of the year, but um, I think he's mostly a Julie guy, and that's just the Spurs mo. I mean, even Lucas Samanich has spent basically two full years in the G League. Keldon Johnson spent a full year in the G League before blowing up in the bubble. Um, so like, I don't think it's a bad thing. He's going to spend time in the G league. That's just um, how I see it going for him. He's very clearly not ready for NBA minutes. Um, he, you think, he's, do you think they should have traded down or it was okay I, to take him at 12? I won't say that because I don't really know where the value is in a draft. Like I, I don't have sources like, in my right. m- mind, it was it was lower, but for all I know, like it's the same with like the Grizzlies took Zaire, and everyone was like, "Oh, I, they should have traded down." And all these, 
you know, in the Mike Schmitz mock, he was at 17. Well, you know, if the Grizzlies heard maybe the Spurs, I've heard the Spurs would have taken Zaire at 12 if he was there. It's hard to trade down one spot. You know, that's pretty rare. And I don't know where Primo would have gone. I'm guessing maybe 14 or 15 um, to the Warriors or Wizards. Um, My issue with where they took Primo is that they did take him ahead of Moses Moody, who I think uh, the outlier developments you're hoping Primo makes, Moody has already sort of made. Um, And even though Moody is, is almost a full year older, he's like eight months or nine months older, uh, I don't see Primo being as good as Moody is now in nine months. Um, I just think Moody was the better pick there, but I don't necessarily, you know, if Primo's your guy and, and he's the guy you want, then take him. I just, I don't necessarily see that value there. I think he's most likely to settle into a three and D guard role, like I mentioned. And um, I, I'd rather take someone that their upside is something I believe in more. Um, but there is real upside with Primo if you could sort of get the kinks out of his handle um, because he does make good decisions and he's clearly like a cerebral player and he's a solid athlete and a, and a really solid shooter at his age. He's just sort of this blank canvas and it's hard to even discuss where development can go um, because he's so young and it's hard to think of a real plan for him. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, another prospect uh, we can get into. How do you feel about Cam Thomas? Since we already talked about Davion Mitchell, the other co-MVP of Summer League, Cam Thomas, averaged 27 points per game. But he's in a tricky situation for minutes with the Brooklyn Nets. How do you feel about his game? I really like Cam Thomas. And I actually think he's Finally, gonna- we got one that he likes. <laughs> And I think he's going to get actual minutes in his rookie season because uh, I don't trust the Nets to to really want to play any of their stars too much this year. Um, and I don't blame them. I wouldn't either. I'm guessing they're going to, you know, is for, for long stretches of the season, be load managing them. And it's easy to see Cam Thomas sort of stepping up and filling their role at sort of, a, you know, 40% capacity or whatever. Um, he's just a really good scorer um and that's generally not an archetype i value but he's so good at it for his age i think he can be a really good shooter with range uh on and off the ball he gets to the line a ton um so i I like cam thomas i thought he was one of the better values in the draft at 27 i i would have taken him in the lottery um i understood why some were lower and i and i don't take too much away from his summer performance either because he is one of those guys just like just like a Davion Mitchell or, you know, a Sharif Cooper or Bones Highland, where Summer League is built for them. Like these are guys who could score or or pass or whatever without a scheme. Uh, you know, it's it's built for them a lot more than it's built for like a Kessler Edwards or, you know, an Ishmael Wainwright or whatever. Um, so I expected him to sort of beat up Summer League. Uh, but he did that. And and it's hard to fault someone for meeting my expectations. Um, he looked really solid. And I just I think he's going to be a somewhat efficient score in the league at, on high usage, whether that be as a six man or with potential upside as a starter. I think that could be um, really solid. And to get that at 27 is just it, it's a steal, in my opinion. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. Another very intriguing, interesting prospect that is very polarizing is Franz Wagner. Uh, the Ford from Michigan, 
He did not perform that well in summer league. How do you feel about him? He went eighth to the Magic. How do you feel about his fit in the NBA? I like I like Franz. Um, I don't I don't like love um, him <laughs> as as some do. I think he's just he's just a really solid overall player. Uh, summer league was a bit worrying because he just looked so timid uh, offensively. He really needs to. Uh, fix his shot perception to to realize he's open more. Um, he just he's sort of passing up open shots right now, and and he needs to get that out of his game. But I think that's doable. And and if he does that, I mean, he's a, just a really solid all around defender. He's a really really good passer. It's it's hard for me to not bet on that. I I think uh, that's a solid long term fit. And I I also I sort of like what the Magic are doing, just sort of building this team of connectors and trying to just figure it out from there, you know, assuming they can get a star in another draft or they're not taking these these upside bets that can never work out. They're really trying to um, put something together. And I and I like that. I, I like what they're doing. Um, I think his fit next to Jalen Suggs is really interesting. Um, I'm a huge fan of RJ Hampton and I like I like uh, his fit next to RJ. So for me, this was a solid pick, not the greatest, but it, it was it was a pick I might have made even uh, honestly. So it's hard for me to fault them too much. And I think he just he has some low hanging fruit that you need to try and fix to maximize him as a player. But if he hits, you know, he's a really valuable wing forward who can just connect for the stars in the league and and fit into every single team. Like, that's so valuable. Yeah, I mean, he could turn into something, but in my opinion, as as much as you hate the Davion Mitchell pick, I hate the Franz Wagner pick. Um, I believe he his ceiling is a role player, kind of like you described, and, you know, he's just solid. And, you know, with the eighth pick, I would love to see you – I mean, even if you went for Moses Moody, he's safe. But his ceiling is a lot higher than Franz Wagner. Could have went for Book Knight. It's, it's so many players they could have went for that are not only solid, but have a higher ceiling. Taking someone like Franz Wagner to me is a late type first round pick, maybe a second round pick. So I hated the pick, <laughs> but it could work out. You know, the Magic have been known to take um, athletic players that can't shoot a lot. So I, that's where I thought they were going in this draft. But they went completely the opposite direction, so there's a chance it could work out. But I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Franz Wagner <laughs> at all. Um, but last but not least, let's get into Evan Mobley, highly touted center from USC, came into the summer league, did not quite perform how everyone expected. Averaged 11 points, eight rebounds, three assists, and two blocks per game. Are you still high on Evan Mobley? Are you a little concerned now? Yeah, I'm still really high on Evan Mobley. I I didn't see enough to like really worry me. Uh, what does worry me a bit is is how Cleveland is building their team. But you know, other than that, I just like he's just so solid at everything. I can see so many paths to development for him that it's hard for me to not bet on him becoming a really valuable player down the line. You know, guys who are that good as a passer and that good as defensive prospect, like, are just, it's a pretty rare combination. He has real ball skills. 
Um, I think he can shoot long term. How the volume is still going to be a question, but if you can really up that volume, he becomes a really valuable offensive player. There's just so many different ways he can become a good player that I I really love that fit and or not that fit, but that pick. I I just love him as a player. I would have taken him second comfortably and not thought twice about it. Um, and I still believe that because I think he can be a really game changing defensive player and if you're a game-changing defensive player it, you just have to kind of exist offensively and if you do that then then you're valuable i mean that's rudy gobert but even like evan mobley has the potential to be even more than just like someone who exists offensively i think he can be probably the second or you know second or third best offensive player on a really good team while being the best defensive player that's that's pretty tremendous upside there and and I, there's probably even room for more if he kind of develops as like a on-ball scorer. But I just, you know, I, I think there's some thought that that bigs just shouldn't be taken this high. And I think that's true with sort of unscalable bigs, bigs who fill one role and one role only. But I think he has a lot of different ways he can develop, different ways he can be a valuable player. So um, I, I love Evan Mobley. Yeah, and I completely agree, especially with the scoring. I do think that will come uh, with time. And, you know, in summer league, he didn't really play with the true point guard. When he's playing in the regular season, he'll be with Darius Garland, so he'll look a lot better out there as well. So um, I, I think there is no concern over Evan Mobley. But that's interesting that you would have took him second, you know. So I think the Rockets, it ended up working out for them because they were able to trade back up and get Alperen Sengun. But if that wouldn't have happened – they could have looked really bad on passing on Evan Mobley. So we will see how it goes. Um, is, is there any other rookie that may be a favorite of yours that or that has impressed you thus far or do you just love and you want to touch on real quick? Or did we cover them all? <laughs> so I think the last one I, I'm, I'm interested to hit on is um, I, I really like Kessler Edwards. So I, I'm another Nets guy. Um, it was a guy I really liked. I, I was shocked he fell to 44. Thought that was a great pick for them. I'm upset he's only on a two-way. Makes me worry he won't get much run at all as a rookie. But if he does, like I think he provides immediate value as a 3 and D wing player. Um, I think there's potential versatility on the shot. He's just a really, really good defender. Like He covers ground really well. He maps the floor solidly. He gets to you know, help side plays at the nail uh, on the baseline, whatever it may be. I think he can guard most wings and, and even some guards. He moves around screens well. I think a player like that uh, is just really valuable, especially for a team like the Nets. So I thought that was a great pick, and um, I hope to see him converted to a full contract at some point because uh, especially I think he's a perfect fit in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I also love Austin Reeves. He's kind of in that same vein. And uh, they both are on, you know, probably the top two teams in the league. So they won't get to play that much this year. But that's a great call on Kessler Edwards. Um, now, we slightly mentioned it earlier. Um, you already have done a little bit of a deep dive into next year's draft class. Um, let's go over your five potential guys that you said could go possibly number one next year. I mean, I know it's way too early, so we can just give a quick little synopsis on the five guys, but I'm sure we're all interested to hear about them. So I'll just say really quickly that this isn't necessarily 
the five guys who I think could go number one, like in the real draft. It's the five guys who I think could end up number one on my board. Um, and, and other guys could bounce up there, but these are the five that I'm most confident in projecting to be at the top of my board next year. Um, so one is Paolo Bancaro. Uh, I really like Paolo. He's going to be a Duke next year. I got to play against him in AAU. Um, but he's just, he's just a really athletic big who flashes moments as a passer and shooter. Um, the other is a Duke guy, Adrian Griffin jr. Um, he's a wing who's a really accomplished scorer, but he's kind of missed out on the last two years of development due to injuries. Um, and then Peyton Watson is, a a, a kind of do it all wing forward. Who's going to UCLA next year has some real on ball upside as a scorer and passer, but has yet to, to fully flash that. Um, Jaden Hardy is, is a, is a popular one. He's going to play for the G league Ignite next year. Um, one of the better shooters I've seen, uh, not a good passer, doesn't get to the rim a ton despite being a really good athlete, but really accomplished shooter with, with range, with a bag to get to those shots. Um, and then Usman Jang or Ausman Jang, I don't know how to say it for sure, but, uh, he's a French forward who's going to play in the NBL next year. And, he flashes real moments as sort of a point forward. Uh, and those type of guys I think are so valuable if they hit. So if you're getting a potential point forward of the number one overall pick, that's definitely worth it. Right. And you did not mention Chet Holmgren. No love for him. I'm lower on Chet. I just, Ooh. I don't think he's, he's like a great athlete. Um, and I think he'll be like a solid defender and he flashes moments offensively, but I think he has to hit such a high offensive threshold to really make things work uh, that I'm, I'm just a little skeptical. I, you know, I think he'll be a solid player, but um, I, I'm not, I'm not absolutely sure. Like I'm not absolutely sure. I, I would, I would project myself putting him above any of those guys I mentioned um, because I think there are so many questions for him that I, that I just don't think can be answered because he's just, it's not even just that he's so skinny. He's just not a great athlete in general. He doesn't get vertical super easily. Uh, he's okay once he gets moving, but he doesn't have a ton of burst. Uh, so I, I just really worry about that with Chet. Wow. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like next year's draft is possibly going to be as talented as this year's draft, but that's going to be fun to look forward to. And everyone, thank you so much again, Bryce, Bryce Hendrick for joining me. Give everyone, everyone your social media and podcast one more time before we get out of here. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, man. This was, this was awesome. Um, I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. Uh, I host the upside swings draft podcast. I write for Roll Call and the Detroit Bad Boys, so check out my stuff there. Um, this has been awesome. Uh, I'm happy to come on anytime, man. Oh, yeah. Open door invitation. Uh, I'm so appreciative of you coming on. And everyone, definitely check out Bryce's Twitter. He is on there all the time, putting out excellent content. Definitely check him out. Thank you so much again, Bryce, for joining me. And, you know, if you love the All Rookie Podcast, tell a friend to tell a friend. Rate, review, subscribe. Thank you all for listening, and we are out of here. Peace.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.